0: This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not We've got a few recovery periods, we have your back, and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join, and the link is in the show notes for you. Okay, on with the show. Got it. Hey guys, welcome back to the HA podcast. It's me, Danny, and I'm joined by a guest. Harriet is with us. She's here to share um her story with you guys and um trying to bring a new different story, a new perspective than what maybe some of you guys are used to hearing, which is always nice. So welcome to the show, Harriet.
1: Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh yeah, um I just listened to the podcast and I just feel like where I'm coming from, the background I have is slightly different to what I've heard so far. Uh, so I just thought it might be interesting, and um, because potentially there there are other women who are in the HA uh, thralls and um, who didn't who don't resonate with maybe other people that they hear on the podcast.
0: Mm. How many episodes back roughly do you think that you've listened to?
1: And mainly the stories, mainly people's recovery stories, because, you know, you're listening, hoping something will be familiar, hoping you'll find someone who sounds like they have the same background okay, you as you. and therefore- really.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm really curious then to kind of listen. So I don't, I don't know you, um, you emailed me and we like, can I be on the show? And I loved your email. So I said, yes. And in the early days of the show, I did do more of that more recently, just because we have such a robust community and I'm just in contact with these people. I just typically know people and I'm like, Hey, let's come on the show. So I don't usually bring, you know, inquiries on not because I don't want to, I just, I don't get a lot of, you know, cold emails in the way that you did. So it's nice to have you um, here on the show and to kind of sit back and listen to it for the first time. So I'm really curious to see what this is that you're referring to Um, so just please will you tell us your story and where you think it all begins
1: yep Um. so for me my HA or my problems actually began uh, very early so I was only 12 Um. so my my family background would be that my dad was very ill from when I was born he has a degenerative illness so I would have been a, a carer basically from a very young age so from what I can remember it was kind of getting him ready getting his food ready his tablets his his appointments his everything such that I I think now looking back on it when I got to age 13 and when I did get my first period when I was 13 which would be a normal age um straight away I was like I don't want this I don't want to be an adult I don't want to grow up no, thank you. Not going to sign up to this club at all. So I knew and I knew from probably information you're given in school, you know, when you're 12 and these people come in to tell you about the birds and the bees and like the science lesson of how reproduction works. And I knew I remember them saying and I can still remember them saying it. When a a girl reaches a certain weight, her body will start basically having periods and having a cycle and that stuck with me. So I knew as soon as I got my first period, I knew this is easy. All I have to do is not eat, lose a bit of weight and it will go away. And that's what I did basically. And it did go away for 16 years. So uh, in that time, I, a lot went on like in our house, a lot went on in, you know, we didn't have it easy at home. We didn't have a normal structure. Not that any any house is normal, but in that time, um, we were going through different family therapies, which all went ended, were not helpful. Then it uh, got to a point where my weight, which was clearly underweight when I was young from as young as 13. But that wasn't even the biggest elephant in the room. It would have been my dad's illness and our family situation and everything going on. So then um, I remember being in kind of a a family therapy and it was, then this is what is shocking now, looking back in that, you know, you go through things and you don't realize how wrong they were at the time. And I remember I would have been weighed and if I was up weight, I was a good girl. And if I was down weight, I was a bad girl. I didn't do the right thing. And again, I had no Body image issues. I had no fears of food. It was just a way of controlling, kind of numbing and not growing up and staying, you know, avoiding avoiding being an adult. And that's uh, that's the type of treatment that was, as opposed to actually, you know, thinking about what a, what the what the real problem is or getting to the root of it. So um, that was went on then. Uh, In the meantime then, all through my teenage years, and I'm now 29, all through my teenage years, super sporty, did track running, did cross country running, did mountain running. And obviously that only added to the problem of HA, as it always does. So my weight, again, I was in this 13 year old's body, even when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, through my 20s. So when I did have to, like I said, gain the weight, uh, I would, I'd gain four or five kilos. And then I looked like a cute little girl and that was enough. And then I still was absolutely not cycling, no period. After that first one, not even slight sign of anything. What I think of is I was like, um, it was like I was a a nine-year-old boy, the energy level of a nine-year-old boy. And that's how I felt running around. Couldn't. And there was no one.
0: And so to confirm, there was no one concerned at all at the time, you felt, because there were just bigger problems in your family.
1: It was a case of where, not that there was no one concerned, definitely no, my poor mom was very concerned, but it would, my weight needed to be at a, a place where I looked physically unwell. And I remember not being allowed going to my granny's because I looked that underweight but other than that when i kept when i was able to keep my weight at still really low but not enough to have a cycle yet i looked healthy i could do my sport so mm. no it was yeah exactly a case of um just underneath the just underneath the base of what you should be at
0: yeah which is definitely like that classic eating disorder at a young age especially in sports like we're finding every way we can to fly under the radar, which yeah. is so um, a very, very interesting part of the psychology of disordered eating, for sure.
1: Yeah. And uh, again, I probably would have had the appetite of a child, you know, so it's funny because a lot of women would say, you know, when they were working out loads and when they were under eating, They'd say they were tired all the time, their muscles were sore, they were groggy. And I, whatever level I was functioning at, I didn't have any of that. I was wired, hyper, Duracell, bunny. Like I remember going on holidays with my friends, even after the exams that you do in, that we do. um, I guess it would be equivalent to graduating high school and you go on a party holiday with your friends. So I did, we went to Magaluf. that was the place to go. So everyone else went to, you know, uh, go to nightclubs and drink and sleep in. And I remember I'd swim to the island. I'd get up at nine o'clock. I'd lie on the beach. I'd look for friends to play volleyball with. I was just absolutely wired that there was no way I was gonna be able to help myself on my own to sit down consistently, eat the food, to gain the weight, to get a period, when I didn't care about any of that, any of them things. And um, so then when I was, this is another part that's very familiar. Then when I was 18, my mom would have been aware that I didn't, I wasn't having any period. So we went to, she kind of forced me to, I wouldn't have gone, Um, go to, it was a, I guess a female health clinic. So I told them the story and then straight away birth control. So I was on the pill then from aged 18 until, uh, until two years ago. And again, there was no reason to go on the birth control pill at all. Like I wasn't in any relationship or anything like that. But again, I wanted to bury my head in the sand. So I did that. Uh, And I was on that for 10 years. And again, my weight, because I was so low, like it didn't fluctuate that much, you know, but I can see from the timeline in my life when things were hard or when home life was particularly disruptive. That's when my weight would go down. But I'd be able to bring it back up to a place where it was just about stable. But I know through all them years on the pill, uh, there's no way I was anywhere close to having a period. Um, So then let me think yeah so then I was 18 I had just finished uh, high school as you'd call it and then I went to do primary school teaching because I'm a uh, teacher and uh got through my four years again as I hear uh, people saying type A personality uh, perfectionist wasn't going to do it any other way other than getting A pluses all the way through which I managed but the the kind of wired energy in me, which now I know is a symptom of underfueling, is that kind of cannot relax. Brain doesn't relax. Body doesn't relax. So in a way, it kind of maybe helped towards that. And um, so I got through college and then my weight was very low because the last year of college I found very stressful. My weight was at like its lowest ever there. I did not look well. And then again, I had to I knew myself like I need to do something bigger than what I can manage by myself. So finally, then I got into actual therapy for, I guess, past what had happened to me before my whole childhood of kind of. I guess the issues I had and the pain I had and the grief I had and the guilt I had about my dad not being well, I knew that that was directly impacting my ability to take care of myself and that by staying in this state that I'm in where I'm living in a child's body and um, I'm not even I don't have enough energy to even think properly and process things properly by staying in that place mental space I'm numb to feeling those I guess sad sad feelings that I knew were there and I guess that's what motivated me or kept me in that place of being undernourished and underfueled and wanting to stay as a child and not want to grow up not face um not face what had happened um which is was far tougher than anything else was kind of deciding okay i'm going to deal with the past and uh just embrace it and go with it so um that's when I met uh, my therapist who I worked with for five years and again the funny thing is that you know the issues although I was underweight and underfueled and definitely numb and my cognition would not have been logical it was clear that I needed to rest you know, there's nobody who can't who can go that long without sleeping and without resting. And there's not natural to have that much energy. But um, by doing that again, I that was the that was easier for me than dealing with how I felt and what I was feeling and uh, then looking back on the past. Um, but sorry. So then. I worked with her for five years and I made huge progress mentally, but still didn't get to a place where I had a period, um, which was disappointing. But it was, again, the same old consistency. Eating properly, consistently, and I would be great at doing it for three days and a week. And then you just go back into old patterns and reducing the sport, which was for me the very much the most difficult thing. I didn't have food. Issues, that's the funny thing because as you can imagine, it was hard for me to find a kind of you know, a treatment that worked because I didn't have a history of weighing myself or foods that I was scared to eat, or you know, thinking that I wasn't fit and athletic all the while. I, I've only ever known myself as being fit and athletic. So it was really for me not about the typical like eating disorder traits it wasn't about getting over them it was more getting to a place where I felt comfortable to grow up and comfortable to be an adult and comfortable enough to look at the past deal with it come to terms with it and move on so um then I got to the point where mentally I knew what I had to do mentally I understood what went on in the past now it's just a matter of actually doing it which again takes a long time before you're kind of watching and you're thinking oh i guess i should start oh, i better start it takes a while to actually take the plunge and do it so then i began working with um a dietitian uh it was two years ago so this would have been at the age of uh 26 so again having had my first period age 13 none birth control for 10 years come off birth control at age 26 knowing nothing is going to happen but i remember thinking like at least if i do that it gives me no choice because technically you know you don't have ha if you're on birth control you can kind of tell yourself no it's just that i don't have it so i knew coming off it in my head that was the timeline of okay there's officially clearly something wrong with me I'm not functioning right so um then yeah with my dietitian it was amazing how someone who is has done a lot of years of schooling can be so ignorant to basic principles such as like oh we need fuel for our organs to function we need to eat if we want to do sport you know the only way to uh, increase your appetite is to physically expand your stomach and we do that through eating more and yeah it's amazing how little education I had about how to actually feed myself Uh, amazing and shocking
0: yeah and I think there's a part too sometimes when you have a history like that where you're also less open some in subconsciously to receiving the logical information or like that new education Because I cannot tell you how many extraordinarily educated women that we've met that are doctors, gynecologists, registered dietitians, all the things. And it's like, uh, it just doesn't apply to them. And even they know it. Yeah. Very, very interesting. It's it's definitely the hardest part of the change is...
1: exactly there, with
0: how it works
1: <laughs> there must be some kind of mental block and it's got to be I would I would think it's got to be deep rooted that you know there's something in your brain not letting you give in to the fact that this information is really logical and makes perfect sense you know like the and
0: it's you know as a side note but but that you may or may not resonate with is that You know, essentially what what you've described so far really is a very long-winded eating disorder, right? Whether it was ever like officially diagnosed or not, because most people in this space are on the spectrum, right? Yeah, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I was on the spectrum. I definitely had disordered eating. And what's true for everyone is that it's not you, It's not you, it's not your personality, that anxious version of you, um, the things that like you were fearful of, right? The desire to control the weight, all these things are not actually you. And by you, I mean you, and I mean the listeners and all that stuff. Mm. Um, It's, you know, we, as like silly as it might sound to some people, we really picture it like a little demon. It's just living in there um that is a voice in your ear that is that but we're unaware of its presence in some way so we think it's us we think it's true so we hear a fact and there's a logical part of our brain that goes hmm right oh no but then there's also a um eating disorder voice in there that's saying na 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 doesn't apply to you that's not us um that's great for her to do but that's not okay for y- for us to do and so you'll just like swim in these issues of like worthiness you know worthiness for that information and those facts and that science to apply to you um and just like fear of even if i did do those things what if the outcome of them is more painful exactly right? And so we just won't, you know, do it and it's hard, but I hijacked your story, but I just, um, I think it's really interesting, relatable piece. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So, in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the HA Society.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the Society dot com forward slash masterclass.
1: Yeah, it is. Thank you. And um I completely agree with you. Like that, you think you think um it won't work for me or that doesn't apply to me or, yeah, I think when you said the word worthy, that, that really kind of hit home, you know? Um, so, sorry, uh, yes. So then I found you and your community and then I was like, what? There's actual people living with this and they're able to talk about it? Because again, I would have, although it was so obvious, I would have said nothing to anyone. And I remember early on when I met my boyfriend, who I met just at the start of COVID. And I said to him really nonchalantly, I said, oh yeah, I'm on the pill because uh, I don't get periods just because I do a lot of sport. And I remember him being concerned. And in my head, I was like, why does he even care? Like, why does it even matter? I yeah. uh, totally would have, yeah, not shared anything with anyone. So finding that there are people who are struggling with the same thing and who are able to talk about it and, you know, the problems are similar. You see them, you know, we all just know how everyone else is feeling going through this. And I think people who don't go through it, they can't resonate, really. They're like, oh, poor you, you too. to eat more and do less sports what they just don't get it
0: <laughs> yeah or they think it's like probably wrong it's probably not what they need to do because that's not yeah. the culture we live in it's hot that's highly unlikely that the best thing and you know in some ways yeah. i think if you're if you're visibly underweight you know to, to the point that our culture has accepted that that is what underweight is right underweight yeah. to our culture is very is extreme yeah. um and so only at that point is it acceptable and like encouraged for exactly to gain weight. like is it you know it's, it's the it's so it's super tough so I'm not sure which category you landed in but
1: and no matter
0: what it's a difficult situation to be in
1: yeah I would have been very underweight again picture a 13 year old you know prepubescent 13 year old body on a twenty-six-year-old, like, and yeah. I don't know if you want numbers, but I would have been, I would have been pretty much forty kilos my whole life. Don't know if you work in kilos. Forty kilos up to age twenty-six, and I didn't look like I was, you know, a. Yeah, I looked really thin. I definitely looked really thin, but because I looked so childlike, it didn't you know, look super shocking, it, you would think, and this is what everyone would say like, oh, small frame, small petite. And again, I did all of the sports. I did gymnastics, swimming, running, uh, cycling. And then I remember, uh, so when I started to put, uh, when I started to make getting my period back, my main goal, uh, I had to stop running, which again was the hardest. And I think it's funny because I stopped running which was my main sport, and then I took up mountain biking because from what I was doing, mountain biking was less extreme than mm-hmm. the amount of sport I was doing. Which shows I was doing a crazy amount, crazy amount of sport. Like, and I remember one time getting blood tests, and I was very high in uh, prolactin. Okay. And so um,
0: hyperprolactinemia.
1: I did, I did, and <laughs> I remember the the doctor saying to me, she said. Uh, oh, this is often found in women who do excessive sport. And in my head, I was like, I don't do excessive sport. How could she think I do excessive sport? And this was coming from like competitive runner, like ran, ran on the national team, yeah. doing 40, 40 miles a week of running, maybe 5K of swimming, as well as cycling everywhere. And still in my head, like that was not excessive sport. just like so funny yeah so true
0: like what it's like well what do you think excessive sport
1: is (laughs) exactly I'm like no like I sit down sometimes and sometimes I watch tv therefore I'm not exercising all of the time and even Mm -hmm. now like I have a problem with the word exercise in my head it's sport it's not exercise because again from doing sport all my life sport is I joke like sport is my bff so to reduce it to exercise I just I don't like that idea because again it's my go-to it's what I genuinely get the most pleasure and joy out of doing. So um, sorry to go back to where I was so giving up sport was the the thing that I really really struggled with and um, like I remember waking up on a Saturday and not going to training and my swim group my run group they were my community they were like my family so getting up on a Saturday and not going to them was just like awful for me it was like I had lost my house and my job all in once or something
0: may I ask you because that actually takes an extreme amount of courage and bravery to do so right like to when that is your community and and it's a hardwired habit. Like you could not feel like going to run group or swim group, but your body's going anyway, you know, at that level, like it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to not go, um, it, it requires probably at that point, I would bet the max amount of like determination and will. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what exactly was it that was allowing you
1: to make that decision to not go yes um I knew I knew it was the fine I knew and I remember coming to the point where um because I heard it probably in some of your like media like on Instagram or something doing sport when you don't have a period is basically anti-sport it is not healthy it's not doing you any good and I would just like, um immerse myself in that kind of information, in that vibe, <laughs> such right. that, yeah, such that going to it, and this was sad, such that going to it would make me feel guilty. or I remember swimming, and i I'm used to swimming hard, like swimming hard in the pool with the lads that I do swimming with. Again, I do all my sport with boys, and to me, that's just normal, and that's just the way it always is. But I remember feeling bad when I'd swim hard and when I'd swim, you know, a long distance, which is so sad because again, it was my best friend yet doing it made me feel bad, but I needed to get to a point where I felt bad doing it in order for me. uh, That, that was going to be the only thing that would make me stop doing it is if I literally felt bad and felt guilty and felt like I was undoing my work by doing it. So I actually am not someone who uh totally stopped doing sport at all, which is, I think, um, great. That was brilliant. Uh, but then it, it kind of got to a point where I said, OK, I'll manage not running. So I stopped running. I was maybe running maybe 10K a week uh i was maybe swimming twice a week but only swimming maybe a k at a time so i was still doing sport five times a week and i'd make it into a big long process like i'd walk to the swimming pool so it would take longer and i'd you know uh meet people on the way to running so that it would take longer and feel like a whole day trip because that's what i needed in order to feel like i was still being me and still doing my thing and uh Really, it was only the last three months before I finally did get my period, and I, uh, that I really said to myself, "Wait a second, what I need to do is be okay with being unfit, and that's when my body will probably just relax." So uh, I got I to this. that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You. This was a a necessary process for you, right? We can look back and be frustrated. Why couldn't I get here sooner? but it was never going to happen that way. Like it was, and this is so, this is such a a common, it's not everyone, right? But it's such a common experience that we share is like, I was going to convince myself that I could do this my way until I was officially proven wrong. And that's just how it goes. And you have to get angry and mad and pissed and scared, right? Of like the outcomes if I don't figure this out, you know? Um, And so it's not like a joyous decision to be making. I think for many of us, it has to come out of a place of like, you finally did enough research, right? Or like listened to enough people say, you have excessive permission to do this, right? And that's okay. Like it's a brain rewiring process. That's why having this information and these communities and these conversations is important because like we need, to hear she did it too and i can do it too and i need to do it and it's worth it for me for all these reasons and eventually eventually (laughs) like the logical part of your brain will be like just a little bit louder yeah than the less hopeful part of your brain
1: that was it i I needed to hear it i needed to hear it i needed to kind of hear stories over and over that this will work if you just commit Mm -hmm, and uh mm -hmm. so then finally it did and uh I was I was exactly 10 kilos heavier and even then it took three months of just staying at that point before my body finally gave me a period and I knew it was coming uh so by the end I wasn't that worried it was more like let this come as soon as possible so that i can go straight back on the sport and i knew i knew like when i did i was delighted when i got my period like best best day ever like i could i was just 16 years like that's a long time really long time and like everyone you think you're the unicorn that it won't work for and it finally did and uh yeah i think um a big part as well was that um like I said, I met my boyfriend and I guess you know the way they have just absolutely no knowledge or don't know what's <laughs> going on. And then you tell them you're doing this, and they're like, Yeah, yeah, told they're they're so much more supportive and they have so much less opinions than other people sometimes. That <laughs> it's just a uh, great. So his honestly, like had I not had his support, I don't think I would have gotten there in the end. And like again our thing is sport he's an ultra runner too super sporty so he would uh do less sport in solidarity with me or if he was running he wouldn't tell me about it or he would That's not really do- sweet yeah that is really <laughs> or sweet. even he got me um it sounds like not the right thing but he got me a beautiful road bike because road biking have i've researched this to no end but Running is probably the worst for impacting your hormonal health. And then, which come other things, but c- cycling is a bit lower down the list. So, he got me um a road bike because you can take your road bike out for hours on a day trip without burning that much, especially if it's a lovely light bike. Like
0: you can ride casually.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And spend the day doing it. So, uh, I would um, say,
0: I would say, in many ways, too, like, Casually riding your bike to get somewhere um, can be, depending on like the terrain, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Like more efficient and chill than taking a really long walk. So yeah, Yeah. you know, no judgment. I hear you. And it's like, (laughs) we can't just like, I don't think we can all just sit on our couch the whole Mm -hmm. time. So mm-hmm. I yeah I love that you guys found something that worked and it sounds like the support and all the other things you were doing around it um yeah the support was major
1: role. yeah the support was huge just having someone who had no idea you know he was relatively new and shiny in my life mm-hmm. so it was the perfect timing the the absolute perfect timing um so uh yeah and I remember I remember knowing even before I got my period um, even though it's not the right thing, but I remember knowing as soon as I got my period that I was going to play the game of how much sport can I do and still maintain it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that's exactly what I did. Uh. So even, so that was, that was six months ago. And even now I'm not perfect and I need to rein it in and I need to put rules on myself. Like, you know, no racing, you can you can do runs and you can do swims, but no racing and swimming and no racing and running. And I still need to do that to keep myself on check. But um, you know, having it would have if I didn't know from people in your community that you will get through it, I would have got I know what I would have gotten just about under and given up. And then get just about under and given up. You know, you really need to see it's yes. true yeah, so I kind of nearly allowed myself to play the games of how much sport can I increase while still getting a period. I, I feel like I nearly deserved that opportunity, uh, which I have done. and uh I guess I'm in a place now where I realize it's way more healthy and way I will be way more happier being healthy than doing a heapload of sport and then being competitive in my sport, because again, it was about like finding a new identity.
0: Yeah, I like how I love how you say um, that you just you felt better and that you would choose at this point, this version of health over, you know, certain levels of competitiveness or activity. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's worth it for you to have some rules in place. And no one is perfect. I think as long as we have the tools and the information to know when something is not right, then we know to like adjust. And that's what I think this is all about right and then eventually yeah. you become uh really fluid in it but also like your relationship with uh sports is still <clears> evolving <throat> and like you're still in that you're still working on it right so you're going to have times where you try to push the limit and like learn the yeah. lesson push the limit yeah. learn the lesson just like you have the entire time
1: yeah know, to get
0: but- to, like, where you're trying to go
1: uh, and as they say, like, once you hear something, you can't unhear it. Yeah. Like if I don't Good get luck. a period. Yeah. I know exactly why. And I know that there's only one person responsible for it. And that's me, which is. yeah,
0: It really is. All of all of our issues generally stem from a level of ignorance of the issue from the beginning. Right. Like, yeah, no one told us this was important. Right. I would say have- you, were just like, I just want to have I want to make this go away. Yeah. Or even,
1: (laughs) yeah, I would have had the excuse of like, I knew I wasn't healthy, but I didn't know. I thought I was too far gone to fix it. And that was nearly my. Oh
0: yeah. That is (laughs) such a good point. Like that is so common to have to go 16 years or even 10 years. Some people even like five years, you know, and I consider five years, the short end of the spectrum. Same. But yeah, people are like five years, like will it happen for me? I'm like, girl, five years is nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's definitely a problem, but it's like, you know, we've seen people with primary amenorrhea restore periods, you know, after 28 years. So it's not like, like just stop. So, but it makes sense to feel that way, right? Like you don't have the evidence so far to prove to yourself that your body can do this exactly. so and it's really hard to convince yourself
1: it is and is to, to not say that you know oh i've heard of no one as far gone as i have therefore there's no point and it worked for all I'll of these people right
0: now i've heard like definitely yeah it, it, that's so true to feel mm. like there's no one as far gone as you yeah i'm <laughs> perpetually the unicorn
1: yes I'm the
0: most special
1: <laughs> I remember um I remember my dietitian saying that the the whole unicorn and unicorn analogy and I remember thinking oh my god there's other people who are also unicorns I'm not alone yeah but um it's
0: like practically an official term at this point right. for this industry
1: <laughs> right okay um but yeah like the funny thing is as well like through all through gaining my you know, the weight that I had to gain. I only look better for it, which is it's just to me, like it's isn't it mad that. Like what I was, I was staying under fueled for no reason. I look much better with my weight and I I do feel healthier, but and even the sport, like I know I will compete and be better at sport. You know, there was it's so crazy how you can be in like a. Just like your a part of your yeah. brain is just turned off and not working. Yeah. Cannot see. logic. Like
0: if you're telling yourself, uh, I can't stop my 50 mile a week runs yeah. because yeah. I'll lose my runtime. Yeah. No, you don't care. You don't actually care about your runtime. Cause if you did care about your runtime, you would get your body in the healthiest place it can be. So there's yeah. actually something else tied to this. You know, more often than not, it's weight or it's worth, you know, or it's the fear that like, um, you know, if I take this route, it won't make me better. Everyone, like I get it logically, you know, that other people will improve in performance, but I'll just become a non-athletic regular person, a nop. I'll just be a total nop and I won't be special anymore. And this is, this will be the beginning of the end for me. Right. So yeah. making those first decisions to do something substantial, like stop going to training or start eating sufficient food are the hardest of all the decisions you will make because you're choosing, right? Like changing directions when you're at a standstill is harder than when you're in motion for this kind of thing. So. It's like the hardest possible part is the most uncomfortable. Your estrogen's at an all-time low. Your is at an all-time high. But yeah. once you start making the changes and your body responds, you feel a yeah. little bit better, responds again, you feel a little bit better. Eventually, not far away from the beginning, you are at a place where your body is starting to respond, although you can't, you don't even know but it's making it easier for you to to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then you look back and you're like, I was not expecting to actually like my body in this process. How interesting. Well, it's like, Mm. it's probably, you're madly anxious and fearful and super low estrogen. You're going Mm. through this process. It was improving. So your self-perception was improving. So now what you perceive to be- An ideal body is coming from a completely different brain chemistry than the per than the version of you that thought you were ideal before. Like you don't even know the person anymore that used to think that.
1: I know. Like if I met her now, I'd be preaching so much at her. Yeah, it's not. someone's it's not. got to
0: plant seed, right? Someone's got to be the first person to like suggest, right? But she exactly. she's not going to change yet. Yeah. But risking the relationship with a friend, for example, by mentioning yeah. something could be could save them, yeah. even though you're actually risking a relationship or they're not going to listen the first time but
1: but at the time like for my first 26 years of life like uh you could have, t- i wouldn't have listened to anybody no, All i did. wanted to do was my sport no you could have oh like i would have said i don't care i don't care about anything uh, like i there was no talking me around it, it's funny like it has to come from yourself isn't it mad it has to come from yourself and it, it, it has to come from even someplace bigger i think than you know, wanting to be healthy or wanting to look healthy, it has to come from somewhere way bigger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And where that is for everyone, I'm sure is very different. But when I think about it, it's like, like this, just from a place of like, all of this madness needs to stop. Like I need to live my life. Yeah. I cannot live my life checking the menu before I go out or saying no, because this meal is too spontaneous or getting hyper anxious because, I didn't get my workout in. Like I can, this is madness. Yeah, And that is what needs to stop. And I need to find beauty in like the simplicity and the mundane and the normalcy of mm-hmm. letting my body decide what it needs and be guided by it versus putting it in, like tying it up with ropes, putting duct tape over it and telling it like, you're going to comply it's just like it has to stop and Mm -hmm. everyone's version of that is a little different but
1: I think yeah and for me like to go back full circle to where I started like it was definitely it was trauma like and it was you know what can I do to not feel anything basically and yeah and it it worked it worked because then when I worked on that element it was awful and it was very hard and it it was I, I guess I knew all along it was going to be awful and it was going to be very hard, but it's so much easier to stay in a place where you're just, uh, you know, wired all of the time, underweight, uh, doing crazy sport every day. It is so much easier to do that and even to, you know, get degrees and speak three languages and get all these qualifications and all of these things. Those are the easy things. And it's the hard thing is, you know, dealing with what you need to deal with in order for your brain and body to just relax and do what it's supposed to do. Yeah.
0: And mm. yeah. Like it's it's way easier to do the thing that you get the certificate and the accolade for at the end. Yeah. And that that's everyone, just- everyone can yeah. see and applaud you for. But to make the decision to recover your health for yeah. you.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh is it's not for anyone else. No one else for the most part, besides like our partners, are patting us on the back. No one's giving you thumbs up, no one's complimenting you, no one's telling you how great you are, how fit you are, how impressive you are, how disciplined you are. You're not gonna get any of that from this process, except maybe from you know, all of us in the community together, which is probably why it's partially so important. Like it's a decision you're making for yourself. And that is the hardest decision to make because we are so much better at being fueled by what we're going to get from like um, everyone else out of our efforts.
1: Yeah, as opposed to, yeah, looking inward.
0: Yeah, looking inward. Who gives a shit, right? Why is it so hard for us to only care (laughs) about our own opinion?
1: It's yeah it's just yeah.
0: so hard oh well your story was really um encouraging and enlightening and like inspirational for anyone 100 percent, there are definitely people who are like 15 10 15 16 18 20 years plus no periods right yeah, yeah. feeling where it starts a long time ago right yeah. feeling like there's all these girls on here they only had mid their period for like three years and they just had to eat more food well first of all you know it's not that easy for anyone no but like 100 percent there are others out there
1: yeah and it can be it can be rooted in trauma that you didn't even or that you're blind to that you've made yourself blind to because it happened so far ago
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's deep rooted. You may never find where stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you can try. <laughs>
0: yeah, you could try. Bit of mushroom um, journey or something, figure that stuff out, you yeah. know?
1: Uh, yeah, completely.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story. So appreciate it. I know 1000% that someone else's journey has been impacted today whether it means that they keep going for just one more day, you know what I mean? Um, or whether it be like the message they needed to hear that you have permission, you're worthy and it
1: is possible for you, Harriet. Yeah, did. It I feel so like true. you can't deny it now because I did 16 years. I came crawling back after 16 years. So that's not an excuse now for anyone else. Time length is not an excuse. <laughs> it will yeah. work
0: It will work. Well, thank you so much. It was amazing to meet you. Really appreciate it. And you're welcome. Touch with us and update us on how you go through the years.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. Hey there.
0: It's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So, Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So, I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using it, good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you... Basically, everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs. And then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify your. Whether or not you are pregnant. So, whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, Temp Drop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So, track your ovulation in real time with the Temp Drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHASociety. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, AFHASociety at the checkout, That will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition beef liver capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is of course dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there but i may even recommend it for just everyone in general get your husbands on it get your partners on it if you have a history of ha and add on top of that maybe a history of the pill maybe you've been pregnant before you know through treatments or other like you've just your body's been through anything You know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. Rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society.